Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 61. He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. Toby, what's up? I gotta say, Grant, I'm jealous that you guys got to see the epic rant from Davey Martinez. I wish I could have been there in person. I was driving out and heard it on the radio. And I will say the one great thing about that grant, and I know that you've probably seen the videos now of the Diamondbacks broadcast making fun in the first inning that there weren't many people there and you could hear a lot of stuff. You could hear pretty much the whole exchange over the radio. You could hear it over the TV feed just because of how quiet things were. So it was cool to hear all that and then to see Davey just go absolutely crazy was fantastic we've been begging for that and we finally got to see him do it in game as opposed to after the game weeks and weeks of waiting for Davey to just blow his top and it finally happened I actually thought he he look he didn't really plan on getting ejected I don't think in the sense that it wasn't until Doug Eddings challenged him essentially he was doing his normal Davey bit where he was kind of up on the top step barking a little bit but Eddings essentially said, get control of your dugout then. And that's when Davey decided, okay, I'm not having this. And again, we don't need John Boy. Like you said, there was no one in the crowd but like me and a couple of our buddies and 800 of our friends. And so you could hear pretty much everything, and it was all mic'd up, and the video's gone viral. But Eddings told Davey, get control of your dugout. Like, they're chirping me. Davey didn't want to be told what to do, so he came out. They had a nice chin wag, lengthy conversation. And Davey actually started walking away. 
And at that point, he said, do your job or, you know, get it right or whatever. And Doug Eddings didn't like that, so he ejected him. But Eddings was kind of on a power trip all day. I was watching him. We were laughing behind uh, the screen. We were sitting. We had great seats near home plate. And he was yelling at the Diamondbacks, as you mentioned, in the first inning. There was a, a pitch clock violation on Jake Irvin, who actually threw the ball really well. We could talk about that in a minute. But he he starts yelling at Jake Irvin because Irvin just kind of said something like, you know, I was starting at one second or whatever he said. And, and Eddings was like, no, you weren't. The time was at zero. But he, he was just everyone was there to see him throwing his chest around mm-hmm. cock of the walk. You know what I mean? Like he was all excited. He was just lathered up. He wasn't going to take any guff. So he wanted to scream at Davey and rip his mask off and go stand there and egg him on. And Davey came out. And eventually when he got tossed, then it was on. I mean, that was a wonderful little ejection for Davey Martinez. To be honest with you, Grant, it's probably a good thing that I wasn't there because I probably would have added to it and probably got would have got thrown out of the crowd because I love, you know, chirping a little bit here and there, especially in umpires. So I might have been thrown, too. So probably a good thing I wasn't there. I will tell you, uh, Nick Ahmed, I probably shouldn't say who it was, uh, but Nick Ahmed was in the on deck circle and the seats we had were kind of right behind the screen near the on deck circle. and He was literally like right in front of us. So if there wasn't a net, we could reach out and grab him. And I just said to him, I said, Nick, and, and players, I mean, they're they're there all day long. And I, you know, try to chirp or just say hi to or talk to everyone. Tell Corbin Carroll, I want him to be the MVP, you know, whatever else. And so I'm standing there. I said, Nick, I said, what's the book on Doug Eddings? Is he pretty good? And he literally, it was the first time all day that a player acted like they could hear me. He turns around and goes, you guys can see. No. And it was just <laughs> so funny. Like, we start cracking up because he goes, you guys can see it, right? No, not at all. Or something like that, you know. <laughs> and it was it was just so perfect. Like, he's, oh, my God, he's a human. He's three feet away. He's talking to us. But the rest of the day, they're just ignoring you, you know, whatever else. But it, I think both teams were annoyed. The problem was not even as much, you know, it, like, was that a ball or a strike? I mean, on the actual call, Davey was furious about it. If you're just looking at the box. It was a ball below the plate. It was called correctly. The problem was it was inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a strike. Sometimes it's a ball. Sometimes with one team, it's a strike. Sometimes with the other team, it wasn't a strike. So there was a lack of consistency throughout the game. I'm team electronic strike zone, have been for a long time. It's because of today. You know, It's because of the annoyance of Doug Eddings uh, and how he bristles and the ego with these umpires who think it's all about them. It's just infuriating. But for people that missed it, Davey ended up kind of uh, with using like a piece of paper to wipe dirt around. And then he laid down as if he, you have to lay on the ground to catch the ball as low as he was calling strikes. I mean, it was, it was a grade a theatrics in the ejection for Davey Martinez. Long time coming. As we said, we've been waiting for weeks for this tope. Yeah. And it's probably the best ejection we've had this year. I mean, I'm trying to think of other ones. Booney's been ejected quite a few times for the Yankees, but that's been more so just verbal arguments. We haven't had anybody now almost like, it's just like Aaron Boone. It's Wednesday, you know, like he comes (laughs) out and he screams and loses his mind (laughs) with Davey. It felt like a big deal. Yeah, it it really did. And we've seen it after games, but we haven't seen it in games. I think the only other time that maybe he could have gotten ejected, but the game was over was in Houston when he argued the call about the interference not being called, but the game was over. So he couldn't be ejected. So this time he really got to get in the umpire's face a little bit and have a little fun with it. And uh, I think it was a good show for the Nats fans that were there. Yeah. Long time coming. All right, real quick. wanted to talk about Jake Irvin in the start. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Irvin's average fastball velocity on the season 
is a little over 93 miles per hour. In this start, it was a little over 95 miles per hour. Actually touched 97, uh, hit 96 a bunch. Six innings of one earned run ball. It was He should have had six innings of scoreless ball because mm-hmm. even though he gave up two runs and only one was unearned, both of the runs he allowed were on miscues defensively. The first run, which was actually statistically unearned, a ground ball base hit into center field with Corbin Carroll, who might be the fastest player in the league at first base. Carroll rounded second and went to third. He was going first to third on what was just a routine first to second kind of advancement on a ground ball right to the center fielder. But because it was misplayed by Derek Hill in center field, Corbin Carroll just never broke stride, and he kept sprinting. I don't know if he saw with his peripheral that it got misplayed or if the third baseman was just ultra-aggressive because of his speed. But legitimately, Carroll, on his horse around second, never slowed down and just kept going all the way home, Little League style. That was an unearned run. The other earned run that that Jake Irvin gave up was on a pop shot into center, the shallow center field right behind second base, essentially. And Luis Garcia uh, misplayed the ball. He misjudged it. I don't know if it was windy or it was certainly a kind of a tough day to see the ball because it was you know, spitting rain and really overcast. But it was a bad misplay. It's got to be an out. Uh, you don't get an error for losing the ball, though. And so that's tough luck for Jake Irvin. But I say all that to say... Five hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, just one walk in six innings. If you look at his last two starts, Toby, since he had like a a skipped start and like a respite for 11 days or something like that, he's actually been pretty good. 11 innings and two earned runs with uh, 10 strikeouts. So that's a pretty good sign. Thing that pops out to me immediately, 87 pitches, 61 strikes. If you got your stuff working, which it seemed like he did have his stuff working today, uh, then go ahead and pound the strike zone. You know, stop fooling around. It seems like we talk about this with a lot of national starters and even guys in the minor leagues. They're kind of missing and getting a little nibbly, trying to throw the perfect pitch as opposed to just let your stuff work in the zone and pound the strike zone. Sometimes you're going to get hit around, but sometimes you're able to pound the zone like he was today and get outs. And obviously, like you said, it's unfortunate he has two plays that probably should have keep kept him from giving up any runs in the outing. But Overall, you just pound the strike zone, let the guys behind you do the work, and this year they've been much improved from what they were last year, and just hope for the best. And I think that's something that's very encouraging. And like you said, since he's been skipped in the rotation, now he's gone for two starts, he's looked really good again. So I think sometimes we forget that it can be a grind for these guys, especially their first go-around in the major leagues. Sometimes you just need that little bit of a break just to regain yourself, regain some of that composure, and sometimes it works wonders for these guys you've seen it work with position players at times you you get a couple days off and then next thing you know you're you're back to playing well again we saw it earlier in the season with Luis Garcia got a couple days off and next thing you know he comes out and he starts hitting the ball well again sometimes you just have to do these things with a young ball club and maybe we'll start seeing a little more of these sort of things I'm not sure but it, it seemed like Davey made the right choice to skip him in the rotation and he had good results since this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law 
Yeah, and the Nats have been smart about this with all their pitching prospects in the minors. They occasionally will skip them after X amount of innings or or starts for for an outing, and they did it with Jake Irvin. You know, the schedule allowed them to, and I, I thought it was a really uh, good thing. But all of his pitches, velocity was up a couple miles per hour, and all of his pitches, his spin rate was up. So it just tells you the arm was feeling good, fresh, really, really crisp, and and it looked good. So that that's encouraging. Uh, in the bullpen. On Thursday in the loss to the Diamondbacks, Jordan Weems threw another inning without an earned run. Now, that's a little bit misleading because he did give up a three-run homer. Uh, all three of those runs were unearned. That has been a hallmark of, of this awful June, by the way, where the team has four wins this month, uh, where they're just giving up too many unearned runs, and and there's been too many miscues defensively. Davey, after the game, actually told the media and they've crossed the line now of what is acceptable for kind of how they're playing even in a rebuild season. So he's going to, for lack of a better phrase, start grabbing some face masks, it sounds like, and start having some tough conversations with players. But I still like what I see from Weems. You know, he got a, uh, in his inning, he got some weak contact, uh, 1.7 ERA. He's missed a bunch of bats. And then Corey Abbott came in and threw two innings. I know he gave up three hits, but he did have a couple of strikeouts among the six batters he retired of the 80 faced. Uh, through 31 pitches, you know he's got an ERA of one. So we've been saying they got to find some help in that bullpen. Uh, I, I maybe a weird day to say it after you give up the homer, but Weems and Abbott both way more good than bad so far in a limited sample when they've thrown. Yeah, it's been strange because it seems like some of the other guys have come back down to earth from a, a decent start. Mason Thompson actually is found some of his early season form again as well. But yeah, I mean Weems, Abbott, maybe they're going to have to get start getting used in more high leverage roles or something. I'm not exactly sure what you're going to do with your Davey Martinez right now. Cause do you trust them in a close ball game in the seventh or eighth inning yet? I don't know, but at the same point, the guys that you keep throwing out there, the, the Finnegan's, the Harvey's, the, the Carl Edwards, they haven't necessarily been getting the job done either. So I think at this point, if you want to use an Abbott or a Weems there, I, I think it'd be justified. And I think he's going to have to with Edwards going to the injured list you know, the fact that Thaddeus Ward, he just, they don't trust him. I mean, they don't pitch him no. very often. He basically throws once a week. So it's almost like, you know, you're just saving a roster spot for a future piece in a guy that's a rule five pick that you can't send to the minor leagues. Um, Weems, by the way, his uh, max fastball was 95.2. His average fastball was 94.7. So he was kind of sitting 95. He was down about 1.7 miles per hour in the outing from where he was for the majority of the season, uh, Corey Abbott. I mean, he doesn't throw all that hard. He's pretty much a 92, 93 mile an hour kind of arm. Um, he did touch 93 and a half. So almost 94, uh, in his start, but it's fastballs and knuckle curves. He actually threw more curveballs than fastballs in this outing, which I'm encouraged by similarly Weems, by the way, through 12 sliders on 20 pitches. So if, if you got a good pitch, Weems, his slider's pretty good. Abbott's knuckle curve is pretty solid. You might as well lean on it. And those guys did that. There's there's no rule that says you got to throw uh, more fastballs. Uh, Derek Hill, we mentioned he had the misplay in center field. I'm excited that he's getting a shot here. He was kicking butt in AAA. Uh, he is not a young guy. He's 27 years old. He's a former first-round pick, in fact, back in 2014. Uh, he was the 23rd overall pick. He has played in the major leagues, mostly with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he's got 240 career at-bats to his name and um, four major league home runs. But in the minors this year, and just under 200 at bats, he'd been hitting the ball. And in AAA, he was hitting 320 with a 900 OPS. 
You know, he was doing some good things. He's got speed. He's athletic. I think 44 of his 50 starts in the outfield were all in center. So with Robles on the injured list, he might get a chance to play just about every day in center field. Uh, he's got 11 steals to go along with the eight homers. So he showed some tools, the power, the speed. And again, it's not like he's 32. I mean, he's 27. So you want to kick the tires here and, and see what you got. Uh, but because they don't have Robles, and you'd prefer to keep Lane Thomas and right where he's played like a gold glover. Alex calls in the minors. They could have called him back up. I'm interested in the fact that they went to, to Hill instead. Uh, he hit the ball hard. Some loud outs in the game on Thursday against the Diamondbacks. I'm, I'm curious to see him get a little look-see here, especially if they trade Lane Thomas, let's say, uh, or or do something w with their current outfield mix. You know, there's going to be some vacancies, and he might be the kind of guy that fills it. So I'll be interested to see how he performs. Yeah, I have no issue with them giving him a try. I mean, you mentioned he's 27 years old. Alex Call got an extended look early in the season. He's 28 years old. You're giving more looks to Stone Garrett. It seems like now he's kind of platooning in left field with Dickerson. I'm totally fine with it because you're just trying to find guys that can fit in. And maybe you find someone that clicks a little bit and you can move them at the deadline or something. You're just trying to find guys. It's not like anyone's established there. Lane Thomas has done a really good job in right field. He's the only guy I'd say that's really established. Maybe you can move dickerson or something who knows what exactly happens for the rest of the, the rest of this season with these guys in the outfield but i have no issue giving hill a try especially like you said he was playing super well in triple a so maybe he can find some of that success in the big leagues and help this team out a little bit do you have any interest toby like i do or am i crazy in wanting to see a little more riley adams i don't think he needs to to play a lot i'm not asking for five days a week i mean k barrett ruiz is the more important long-term player, you, you major in him as a catcher. But you can, like they did on Thursday, have K-Bert DH occasionally. You can have Riley Adams. He was taking some ground balls at first last year. Like, where is that? I'm not asking for it to happen a lot because I know Dom Smith is saving C.J. Abrams bacon and really helping the, the infield defensively. Um, so I, I don't think you need a major in it. But if he gets, you know, one game a week catching, one game a week DH, I would feel pretty good about that. And if you throw in the occasional game after you, you move on from Dom Smith or something you know, at first base, I don't think that's the end of the world either. He's hitting over 300 with a 960 OPS. And on a team with no power, he seems to hit for some power. I mean, another home run this time to the opposite field on Thursday. It just seems like whenever he plays, he gets a hit, he gets on base, he does something good. And you don't see him again for a handful of days. And on a team this bad, that shouldn't really be the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a reason you can't get him in the lineup more. It's not like you want to keep Joey Manessis in there as much as possible and not have him DH or not have him play the field. So playing more as the DH because he's just not a good fielder. So I understand that from that standpoint. But like you said, maybe give a day off to Manessis like they did on Thursday and let Riley Adams play and let Kbert DH. I, I don't have an issue with that because, like you said, he's been productive when he's played. Just find a way. I mean, I think at this point we kind of know what Joey Manessis is, so it's not an issue giving him a day off every now and then. I think there's ways that they can find ways to get him in the lineup, whether it's just giving different guys days off or whatever the case may be. I think there's ways to get him in there, and I would like to see him more. I think that's a really good point that, like, when he's been in the lineup, he's produced, but I don't feel like we've seen enough to maybe feel confident in him yet. But, I mean, when he's been out there, he's done a really good job. Yeah, I guess my question is, like, I want the most possible work that you can get for K. Barrett Ruiz, but there's no reason to run him into the ground, right? And there's no reason to, to 
uh, ask him to do anything abnormal in terms of workload. So keep him fresh. It's a really long season. And, and I, I'm not beating the drum. I mean, it, like we all get what Riley Adams is. He's a catcher too, probably. The more he plays, the more he'll get exposed. That 300 will fall off. I get that. My point is just, it's not like he's 40. You traded for him. You know, you didn't claim him off waivers. Like you acquired him at the time. He was a top 20 prospect in a system, you know, and you acquired him via a trade for a reason. So let's, he's playing well. Like let's meritocracy this thing a little bit and, and give him a couple extra at bats. And, and like you said, take, don't take him away from Ruiz necessarily. Maybe it's one game every two weeks more that you catch him or something like that, or, or a game a week that you catch him, but maybe it's you DH him and you give Manessis a day off against the righty or something. You know, I just think well, you can get strategic with it. And one thing so far, I have no issue with Kbert playing all the time. Like you said, you want to get him developed, but I almost feel like he's been catching too much. I think he's caught now 58 games or something like that. I think you need to take that down just a tick. Just, you know, this season's not going anywhere. You know, I don't want to just run him into the ground in a season that doesn't matter. Not to say that I don't want him to get reps. I still want him catching four out of every five days or so, but maybe just we, we talked about it with Corbin and a personal catcher. I don't know that the numbers are still that same way as they were earlier in the season where it was just that much better with Riley Adams, but I wouldn't mind finding ways to get Riley Adams more at bats and just finding ways to also get Cabert Ruiz some rest. Cause I feel like he's catching a little bit too much for my liking as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, anything else from the big league club standpoint you think we need to hit before we get into Paul Skeens? I mean, I, I think Lane Thomas continues to hit the baseball. And if he does, I think that like we talked about on the last podcast, I, I want to get good value for him if you trade him. But I think that the value continues to rise to the point that with a couple years of control and the way he's been playing, you might be able to get a legitimate prospect for him. And if that's the case, you got to be excited as a Nationals fan that you could bring something in for a guy that you acquired by giving them John Lester of all things. So I, I think overall, if Lane Thomas continues this, it'd be frustrating to see another guy leave the Nationals that was being fairly productive, even though it's in a, a, a useless season in a lot of ways. But you'd like to see maybe you could get something for him at the deadline. 12 home runs after he hit yet another homer, a solo shot on Thursday, just snuck out over top of the left field fence at Nationals Park. 293 average, 340 on base, and a 840 slug for Lane Thomas, the 27-year-old starting right fielder. He's got seven outfield assists. He's just been really good. Two more hits, the solo homer. He's, uh, he's a spark plug, and since he got back to the top of the order, he's been outstanding. 